Every divorce has its unique challenges. Having helped people in many different high-conflict divorces, I know that when children and alcohol are involved, the situation becomes even more challenging. Whether you are concerned about child safety when an ex is co-parenting, or trying to prove your sobriety for custody, finding a reliable system that you trust can be difficult. That's why I love and recommend Soberlink. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system makes it easy to document sobriety in real time, ensuring child safety and providing tangible evidence of sobriety to the court as needed. It's easy to use and has features like facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting that all work together to improve your life during this difficult time. To help those in my audience who are going through divorce with children, I've worked with Soberlink to develop five tips for divorces involving children that you can download at www.soberlink.com backslash JBD. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. We've got to commit to the fact that staying in problem solving is a more effective way. Even if you're, even if the other person's in reaction, if you can keep yourself in problem solving, that it's more productive. And there's this problem because if somebody else is fighting with you, it's so easy and so feels so good almost to be fighting back because we want to defend ourselves. And, and it's so there's this little counterintuitive thing that happens, but we want to remind ourselves that problem solving is more powerful than reacting. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. I'm back with Diane Dempster uh, chatting about triggers again. Welcome, Diane. Hey, Karen. I'm excited to be here. This is fun stuff. Yes, it is. And last episode, we talked about the anatomy of a trigger. And today we're going to kind of drill into uh, some more specifics. Diane, you want to kind of give a quick overview of what we talked about in the last episode? Yeah, let me, in fact, let me share my screen and show the chart again for the folks who are watching. Um, So the anatomy of a trigger, right? We've got the three levels of the brain, aware, alert, and alarm. And we escalate um, aware we have full access to our rational brain at alert, our rational brain is competing with our emotional brain and at alarm, our emotional brain is in charge. All our choices are fight, flight, freeze, attack, run away, all of those things. And the other end of it is, is what starts the trigger. And the trigger starts in between the expectation and the reality. So when our expectation is different than our reality, it creates an irritation 
that irritation we interpret, right? And that we tell a story about that. And we either get hijacked by that story and it takes us up and react, or we figure out how to calm ourselves down and, and create a story that feels a little bit better. And we'll talk about that today. We can reclaim our brain and we can get into problem solving. And you know, the bottom line, I think the thing I took away from our conversation last time that was most important is that you've got to commit to the fact that staying in problem solving is a more effective way even if you're, even if the other person's in reaction, if you can keep yourself in problem solving, that it's more productive. And there's this problem because if somebody else is fighting with you, it's so easy and so feels so good almost to be fighting back because we want to defend ourselves. And, and it's so, so there's this little counterintuitive thing that happens, but we want to remind ourselves that problem solving is more powerful than reacting. Beautiful. So today, um, you're going to talk to us a little bit more about that first step, that uh, being, having an expectation, which I mean, how many expectations do each of us have every day going through life? And, right. then, and then our way just doesn't end up being the way it actually goes. Well, and I think that that's the piece of it is that we don't even realize the expectations that we have and, and, and the irritations that happen on a daily basis, right? So whether it's, um, you know, I, I asked my partner to pick up groceries on their way home and they show up at home and they don't have the groceries or they say they're going to be home at a certain time and it's an hour later and they're late or, you know, our kids, we expect our kids to be respectful and all of a sudden they come to us with an attitude, right? So that's part of what we talked about last time. The most simple expectation that I always think about with this is imagine you're going to the grocery store. And you are so excited because you're going to buy yourself some Chunky Monkey Ben and Jerry's ice cream because it's your favorite ice cream, right? And so you get there and you're in this freezer section at Kroger's where I shop. Sorry, I'm like dropping all these names. This isn't, a, this isn't an advertisement for these people. But yeah. So I'm in the store. I'm in the freezer section. I go to the part where there's Ben and Jerry's. I look and I'm like ready to grab my Chunky. Wait, where is it? My expectation is I'm buying Chunky Monkey. The reality is somebody else got the last carton. And, I, and at that moment, I can be like, I can't believe this. I was going to splurge on my diet and eat some ice cream. This is terrible. How could they be out of Chunky Monkey? I can't believe this. This is one of the most popular flavors. What were they thinking? I'm getting hijacked by my story. Or I can be like, oh, wow, I really like Cosmic Crunch. Why don't I get that instead? So now that we I know your off, favorites. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So that's the, the point is we all have that moment of irritation, but it's the, what do you do with it? And, and, and even that split second of, oh man, I can't believe it. And I think that it's, it's important to also look at the context, right? So, um, if you're on vacation, if you've just fallen in love, if you've just landed an awesome job, if there's something going on that has you just energetically so high, happy, joyful, excited, the same irritation that might totally trigger you when you're depleted um, will you won't have the same reaction. And so, so many of our audience, right, our listeners are in a season of life where um, they're going through divorce. They just came out the other side as a single parent, perhaps. And so there's a lot of irritants. And then as you spoke about, Diane, and 
the last episode, just the time that we're in this this time of pandemic. Well, right. Well, I think what you're talking about is like there's this prevention piece, and then there's the management piece, right? It's a sort of if we're all walking around a little irritated and a little on edge, which is what we were talking about last time, it's a sort of our ability to go, oh, wait, I can have this other kind of ice cream is going to be very different than if we're feeling really good and we had a great day at work. The irritation is still going to be there, but we're going to respond, our ability to respond to the irritation instead of reacting to the irritation is going to be completely different. And so yeah. part of this is keeping ourselves emotionally healthy, physically healthy, uh, mentally healthy, even all of those things will help us to avoid getting hijacked by that irritation, whether it's an irritation about the ice cream, which is probably what most, not what most of you guys are dealing with, but, you know, or an irritation about something that your soon to be ex did or didn't do or said they were going to do or whatever it is, right? It's just sort of, there's a million irritations a day. It's how do you stay in a space where your ability to choose, react or respond is going to be easier. Now that said, a lot of times there, there really isn't a choice or, or it doesn't feel like there's a choice, right? It's just sort of how many times have you been in a situation where something happens and all of a sudden you just go from zero to a hundred, you know, it's just like that just totally triggered me. And a lot of times we talked about this a little bit last time, Karen, a lot of times that's because of our history, right? It's this sort of either we've created a pattern where, uh, you know, if you're in a high conflict divorce, you know, it's like you've been bombarded with conflict a lot. And so your sensitivity to that is much more um, top of mind. So we were talking about the powder keg, you're a powder keg waiting to get lit. Right. Or you've got, um, if you've been raised in a household that had a certain dynamic in terms of conflict as you were growing up, you might have core wounds that make it harder for you to, to avoid getting sucked into the story um, it, this is not easy stuff. And as we talked about last time, being conscious of what's going on in you yeah. and committed to, to taking the high road for lack, lack of a better word, but the high road here is to stay in problem solving mode as much as you can. Those pieces of this are a key part of really navigating what we talked about last time is the difference between ending an argument and resolving the conflict because ultimately we need to figure out how to resolve the conflict that happens either in divorce after divorce with our kids with our business partners whatever it is and if we can't avoid the trigger it's going to be really hard for us to navigate through that conflict and it highlights the importance of that 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 mindfulness work that that becoming really aware of yourself right like so much of what we talk to our clients about is keep the focus on yourself. When you can keep the focus on yourself, you actually learn a lot about yourself. You learn about the way that you react to conflict because of your family of origin, because of the two decades of marriage and the dance that you've done. And the more you learn about yourself, the more you can begin to set some intentions to let go of behavior that hasn't served you and let go of stories and limiting beliefs that haven't served you. So that awareness piece is so key in what I'm hearing you say in terms of the expectations versus reality and how you engage in that space in between. Yeah. And as what you're saying, what's coming up for me as you're talking about is that reminder of the fact that sometimes it feels better to fight 
than it does to problem solve. Because there's that, if you're in that middle ground where your, um, you know, your amygdala is stimulated and you're upset or overwhelmed or agitated or afraid or angry or whatever, and your rational brain may be going, oh, come on, it's better not to argue. Don't get into this argument with this person. It's not going to help you. It's not going to serve you. And they're still coming at you with their conflict. It, it feels a lot of times more empowering in the short term. Yes. I always talk about why yelling works. Yelling works because it, it releases the emotional energy that gets pinted up in our brain when we're like, oh, I'm irritated. So if I yell, I can get rid of some of that emotional energy. And the other way that yelling sometimes works is because it'll, it, it, can be, it can shut down a conversation, right? It's just sort of, especially if, you, if you're arguing with a conflict avoider, you raise your voice, they'll be like, Oop, I'm out of here, I gotta go. And, and, and then, the, then the argument stops. And so it's important to pay attention to this natural tendency we have. I mean, you're almost fighting a wave, right? It's just sort of, because there's part of you that's like, yeah, I gotta fight. And you've got to say, wait, fighting's not the best thing here. I've got to figure out how to get back into my rational brain. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of Eckhart Tolle, right? And he talks about the pain body. He talks about this wave that like starts at your toes and flies up like almost like a tidal wave and overcomes you. And at that moment, you've, you've lost access to that rational brain. And, and in 12-step programs, even they say, if you're upset, count to 10. If you're really upset, count to 100. And it's that same concept of when you feel that, that, that wave of energy, what do you do with it? Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to divorcerecoverylifeline.com and grab your divorce survival kit today. When you feel that, that, that wave of energy what do you do with it? Yeah. Well, and we, and I want to reiterate this because we said this in the first episode, but this is natural stuff. This is normal stuff. This is biology. If you're a yeller, if you're a person that gets triggered a lot, if you're a person that gets upset a lot, I want to ask you to hold yourself with some grace and compassion because what you're fighting is, is like literally a part of your brain that was trained to do this, right? It's a sort of, uh, they always say that if you, um, if you're in a fearful situation or or if you've ever kind of have a a tendency to be afraid, you're constantly walking around looking for something to be afraid of. I mean, that, that part of your brain is just on alert. That's that second level, looking for something to be angry about, looking for something to be, uh, uh, frustrated about looking for something to feel guilty about looking for something to feel resentful about. I mean, it's just sort of, our brain creates these patterns where we're looking for proof of that feeling that we're having in our body at the time. 
So you're saying it's biology. You're saying um, be kind and compassionate and have grace for yourself. And and yet it's biology. And yet you're also saying there is a way around it. So can you yeah. just kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. More? Well, and I think that that's the piece of it. You know, I talk about being a recovering yelling mom, right? This is sort of, I even this week, I will admit I lost it. <laughs> and it was not a time that it was really opportune to lose it. And I know, I can't tell you the, I mean, it's been a while. It's it, it been a while. I, I'm going to blame the full moon. I think that that might've been part of it personally, but you know, it's, it's not, it's a process here, right? It's, it's about being aware of the fact that it happens, acknowledging the fact that it's more effective to resolve the conflict when you're not triggered than it is. And it's giving yourself grace in those moments where it does just happen. And and making good. I mean, I, and my kids and I used to always talk about the fact that it's it's normal to get triggered and your responsibility is not to not get triggered. Your responsibility is to recover well. Right. You, know, you, always, you always honor the other person. I'm sorry I got triggered. It, I'm sure it was upsetting to hear. Um, I'm sorry. And th- thank you for being patient with me when I was triggered. You know, that it's a different sort of thing than, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have gotten triggered. And it it reminds me of two things. One is I know when my capacity is down, if I haven't slept well, if I'm upset about other things, if I'm not feeling like in good health, those aren't the times for me to engage in conversations that I know will be sensitive and tender for either me or the other person, right? And um, so that's one thing which we talked about a little bit in the last episode is that setting the intention uh, to to stay in problem solving mode. Part of it is setting an intention to not engage if you're not if you know your capacity isn't there to engage to begin with. Well, well, and the the thing that's coming up and this is we're talking about story, right? It's just sort of we walk around if you're going through a divorce or you're having conflict with your ex or your or your current partner. Um, there, there's stories that you walk around with. I mean, we've got a lot of people who are dealing with things like infidelity, right? It's just sort of, if, you're, if your story about your partner's infidelity is, oh my gosh, they're such a jerk, I can't believe they did it. Or if your story is, I can't believe I must not have been a very good partner or this wouldn't have happened to me. And you're walking around with both of those that are kind of trigger, trigger hungry stories both of those are likely to set you off. If some you see something, somebody says something, those sorts of things. And so just even paying attention to our response, the stories we tell ourselves about our reality right. and whether they're healthy stories, you know, blaming yourself because your partner was unfaithful is, is not, is a, dangerous, I'm going to use that word, a dangerous story to tell yourself because it's a, it can lead you to being more likely to, to get into more conflict, to beat yourself up, all of those things that can be really difficult. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, a little plug on stories. Our 12-step program talks about step seven is all about uh, rekindling your confidence by by rewriting these narratives that don't serve you. And so telling stories, you know, in any, in any part of the divorce process, uh, if you're telling stories that harm you, you're increasing your suffering, you're increasing your ability or potential to get triggered. Um, 
Yes, I completely agree with that. It reminds me of something I did with my kids. So my children were very young when when I started the divorce and even when it completed three and a half years later. And so I was I was overwhelmed and often triggered and and the kids were as well. And so we came up with this this rule that you're always allowed to do a do over. And and it was great because no matter how sloppy we got, either I or the kids would be like a couple of minutes later. It's like after we all went down the toilet, can I can we do a do over? And it was such a great way for us to reclaim and get back to that logical problem solving mind. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to this story for a minute, because I I think that there's going to be some people that are like, well, but it's true. Right. It's this Mm -hmm. sort of. Where does the where does the reality stop and the story start? You know, so my my partner was unfaithful. That that could be a reality if you know that that's true and that's a reality. The minute you add the because, <laughs> or the minute you add the and, right? That's your indication that there's there's some story there. And the reality is a lot of times. What happens is as humans, if we don't really know what's going on, you, you can't know what's in somebody's head. You can't know what's in somebody's heart. I mean, even if they tell you, I, I say this all the time to my parents, it's like, even if your kid tells you that they just didn't care about school, you don't know that that's 100% true. It's just a statement that they made, right? And so the minute you start interpreting what somebody says or somebody does, that's where the story creeps in. Absolutely. And yes, there's some probability that the story is true, right? And that probability that that story is true is somewhere above one and somewhere below 100%, right? Right. And and the the quote I always say is, if you're going to create a story, create one that makes you feel good. And so you need to find something that you're willing to consider might be true or might also be true you know, my partner was unfaithful and I'm a worthy spouse and I deserve to be treated well, right? Is this sort of, that might feel more empowering than, and it's my fault and it, and this and that. And, and another tip for looking at stories and, you know, Lisa Brick uh, taught me this and we, we talk about this a lot is there's, there's the fact and there's the fiction. Yeah. And so the fact is, let's say the infidelity did happen. The fiction is what that means about you, what that means about um, he never loved me or the whole, like that's all the fiction. That's a story. So, yeah. so when you boil it down and you can say, okay, let me just look at the facts. Um, and that'll help you see how everything else you've created is story. And then, yeah, if you're going to be writing a story and you're the author of it, Make sure that it makes you feel good. So let me talk about the four steps to reclaim your brain, because we've been talking about that through the process here. So step one is to notice you're triggered. Step two is actually reclaiming your brain, whether that's taking a few deep breaths or taking a sip of water or going for a walk or a run or going, putting yourself in time out, <laughs> whatever you do to literally and, and I'm going to say that there's a difference between, we're not talking about just calming down because there's a difference between real calm and fake calm. Reclaim, really calm down and then cre- create a new story. That's the third step, right? So this sort of 
if you if you see the situation differently, you can handle the situation differently. So if all I see is, you know, a, a snarky kid, I'm going to want to punish that kid and send them into timeout. If I see a kid who's having a hard time being respectful, which would be another way to look at it, then I'm going to be like, wow, how can I help my kid? They must be having a really hard day or they wouldn't talk to me like that. Beautiful. So say those one more time for our listeners. You have recognize your triggers, reclaim your brain by some breaths or some water or something. Um, Create a new story and take action based on that new story. Perfect. And just as, as I'm sitting here with a glass of water on my desk, Karen, the thing about water, we're talking about the amygdala and the animal part of the brain. If you take a few sips of water, your animal goes, oh, I'm at the watering hole. It must be safe. I'm okay now. So there's a biology thing that happens with the water and the deep breaths that calms your animal down. So if you can't think of anything else, go to the sink and pour yourself a glass of water. Oh my gosh. I have clients who walk around with water bottles like 24 hours a day so that they can avoid getting triggered. That's that's, I've never heard that before. That's, that's a great one. So is there anything else on this part that uh, we, or how could you wrap this piece up for us? Well, I think the thing to wrap up is just to be aware of what, where the fact versus the fiction. I love that distinction. And to become aware of when you do get hijacked, right? It's just sort of, it's one thing to tell a story and it's another thing to have that story. All of a sudden it, it throws you into reactive mode. Um, and then you're, and you're not in your right mind. You're, you're in your animal mind. And to, to just become more aware of, of that. And we'll talk a little bit about how to notice the difference between the three levels of the brain, but just to notice how, what stories you're carrying around and which ones are those stories that might be some good, do we ever give homework on these? I think we should give some homework. Yeah, absolutely. Pay attention to some of the stories you're telling yourself. Notice when you get triggered. So what was the thing? What is the thing that happened that triggered me? And, and the thing is not the thing is not what triggered you. It's the story you tell yourself about the thing that is the trigger. And and let me just tell another quick story because I, I remember really distinctly, my business partner and I traveled together, at least before the pandemic, we traveled together pretty frequently. And the first time we were ever in a plane together, we're sitting right next to each other and we've been talking and working. And all of a sudden that moment for takeoff comes up and you know, that you can hear the engines. And I look over and she's literally grabbing onto the handles, the, the seats. And she's kind of like grip, like, oh my gosh. And I look over and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's really nervous about this takeoff thing. And I, and I said, oh my gosh, I love this moment of takeoff. Cause I loved, I mean, I love to fly. I love this sort of taking off is that powerful moment. And she's like, oh my gosh, I hate this moment, <laughs> right? It's just sort of, we're experiencing the exact same thing. We're experiencing a plane takeoff. The story I'm telling myself is this is fun and exhilarating and exciting. And the story she's telling herself is, oh my gosh, this is something to be scared of, right? It's just sort of, so if you can pay attention and notice the stories you're telling yourself, because we, we all do it all day, every day. And, and I would just say, uh, as always, be kind and gentle with yourself. This is a practice. This is something that uh, takes a long time. And the more you practice it, the, the more skilled you get at it and the less easier, easier, conflict easier you find yeah. yourself in. So, yeah. so noticing is always the most powerful and best first step. And go back to what we closed with last time, which is that 
part of this is being willing to consider that problem solving is more effective than fighting. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Karen. And we will be back with part three. What is part three? Why don't you tell them? Part three is, take a look at my little notes. Part three, we're going to talk about the, the aware alert alarm. We're going to talk about reacting versus responding. And we're going to talk about coping mechanisms and a few other things. Beautiful. So stay tuned for the next episode of JBD Team Talks, where Diane will join me and we'll continue chatting about triggers. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.